Welcome to The Way Church. We're glad you're joining us for today's message. For sermon notes, service times, and more information, check us out online at thewaychurchva.com. Now let's join Pastor Matt Rothy with this week's message. And I want to invite the rest of you to open up your worship guide, your Bibles, your devices, or follow along on the screen behind me as we look at John chapter 20, which you can find on page 10 in your worship guide. This, our gospel lesson, will serve as the basis for our sermon this morning. John chapter 20. The context, Easter Sunday. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands inside. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now, Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hand and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus performed many other signs and in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name, the gospel of our Lord. Praise be to you, O Christ. You may be seated. It was the fall of 2020, and after several months of isolation, fear, loneliness, uncertainty due to the coronavirus pandemic, three friends decided it's time to get together. 
three couples decided that they were going to get together in the backyard and, and enjoy a fire. And social distancing, of course. And, you know, they had all the snacks, they had popcorn, they had chicken wings, they had their beverages of choice. As they got together, they made casual conversation just to catch up, get to know one another, what they've been up to. And that's when someone turned to the group and as they remarked on just, you know, how different and strange things have been, they said, yeah, I guess, you know, we're just adjusting to our new normal. The others looked at him before one of the friends said, actually, you mean new normal? First person says, no, new normal. You know, like how it's at noon and you get there and the rest of your day changes. They're like, no, 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 no. The phrase is new normal. And then the person who thought it was new normal, well, maybe demonstrated just how much of a difficult time they had adjusting to the new normal because they stood up. They threw down their beverage. They said, you know, guys, I I just can't take it. I I haven't seen anybody in 3D for six months. I haven't left my house. I, I, I can't understand what's going on. Sometimes it all just confuses my brain. And then they kicked over the chicken wings. At this point, I should probably let you know I'm in a very pragmatic way, describing to you an SNL skit that aired in the fall of 2020. It was an SNL skit that, well, while it made light of the new normal, well, the way only comedy can do it, it also made us wrestle with some pretty heavy truths about change and the new normal. It made the point clear that things are different. And, and you can handle it. You can handle it in appropriate and, and healthy ways. But if you don't, if you don't adjust to the new normal in healthy and appropriate ways, there can be some agitation. There can be some confusion. There can be some peacelessness. That's what the disciples were dealing with. Post-Easter, there was a new normal. There was a a new way for Christians to look at life, but the disciples weren't adjusting very well. And yet Jesus came to them. He helped them adjust to the new post-Easter, post-resurrection victory normal that their lives would now take on. And we're going to look at that this morning. But as we do, ask yourself, how well have you adjusted to that new normal? How well have you adjusted to the victory that is yours in Christ Jesus? The victory that you're not just a spectator of, the victory over death, over sin, that you are a participator in. How well have you adjusted to the Easter new normal? At first, the disciples, you read it, we heard it, they did not respond very well. As we listened to it, it was kind of confusing. Medic at times that, well, here Christ is risen, there's rumors that he has risen, and yet where are they? On the evening of that first day of the week, The disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jews. 
This is Easter Sunday. And they're not enjoying a ham dinner together. No, they're huddling in fear because of what the Jewish leaders might do to those who follow Jesus. They abandoned Jesus on Thursday night and over the course of Friday, Saturday, and even into Sunday evening, they are there with the doors locked for fear of the Jews. And why? It's because they were missing something. It's because they were missing the fact that Jesus said there would be an event. There would be a resurrection event that would change everything, that would create a new normal for God's people. They didn't listen. They had this, this word, this This prophecy in abundance, they read Isaiah's scroll that said he will be assigned a grave with the wicked and yet after he has suffered, he will see the light of light and be satisfied. These disciples knew the Old Testament. These disciples knew the Psalms of David, which said, you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead, nor will you let your Holy One see decay. These disciples knew this and if they also knew what Jesus said. Just a week ago, just a week ago, Jesus told them, we're going to Jerusalem and the son of man will be betrayed to the chief priests and the teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death and will turn him over to the Gentiles to be mocked, flogged and crucified. And on the third day, he will be raised to life. It doesn't get much clearer than that. He had already been mocked. He had already been flogged. He had already been crucified. There was just one more thing that needed to happen. Today, on the third day, they should have just been waiting for him to be raised to life. But they weren't. They were huddling in fear. So what does Jesus do? Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Think about that. Comes to them and says, peace be with you. He shows him the hands. He shows him his side. And Luke's gospel even tells us, even at that, they were, they were so amazed that they couldn't wrap their heads around what was going along. They were still confused. And so Jesus actually said, okay, guys, watch. I'm going to eat something to prove to you I'm not a ghost. I am Jesus raised in the flesh. And finally, it took a while but these disciples got it. They began to adjust to the new normal of Christ Jesus raised from the dead. Think about for a moment what it would have been like to enjoy that fish fish fry with Jesus. He explains from the Old Testament all the prophecies that he fulfilled. He gives you the Holy Spirit. He breathes on you so that you know that this was for you and your forgiveness. Then he says, I'm sending you out. I'm sending you out to be messengers, ambassadors. The forgiveness that I give to you. The disciples, it took them a while, but they get it. They adjust to the new normal, except for one. Thomas called Didymus, 
who maybe a little bit longer than the rest was doing his own social isolation thing, but finally got together with his friends. They tried to tell him, you know the rumors, you've heard them from the women, from Peter and John, it's true, the grave is empty, and, and we saw Jesus. Jesus was here, Thomas. But it's almost illogical. It, it's, it's almost funny that, that Thomas, who, who knew what the scripture said, who knew what Jesus said, who, who could now hear the very testimony from his friends again, would look at them and say, no. More proof. I need more proof. Unless I see it, I won't believe it. You look at Thomas, and you can see he's defensive. He's a little agitated, maybe confused about what's going on. And well, we give him the nickname, he doubted. But there is this lack of peace surrounding Thomas. Maybe we shouldn't be so hard on Thomas and not because what he was saying and doing was, you know, that commendable. Because in so many ways, we're like him. And no, this morning, I don't mean the doubts. For one, if you're here this morning, you might have questions about Scripture. You might have concerns about this is what it says or is this what it says. But you get it. You believe it. When it comes to this whole Jesus raising from the dead thing, Easter, you're here again to celebrate it. And so this morning, no, I don't, I don't mean so much that we have the doubts like Thomas. But like Thomas, do we fail to wrap our heads around Easter's new normal? Do we fail to adjust to life and the victory that is ours because of Christ's resurrection. Think about this. Think about it this way. If Christ Jesus raised from the dead, and he did, what are the implications of that on your life? In other words, how does the victory that Christ Jesus won over sin, death, and the devil create a new normal in your life? Well, think about these things. Let's list them. It means that Jesus has forgiven all of your sins. It means that everything that Jesus ever said and promised to you is true. It means, third, that heaven is yours. And because of that, that means that your life here, well, all of the time that you have, all of the talents that you have, all of the possessions that you have, they're not just for storing up because there's something else. The possessions, the things, the time, the energy that we have, it's for giving away. It's for giving away to others, well, so that they know about this future, this victory that they have. If Jesus raised from the dead, it means that he's coming back. If Jesus really did rise from the dead, our new normal 
should be focused not on the past or even that much on the present, but on the future fact that he is coming back to take us to be with him. And so we only have so long to share that gift with others. What Easter does is it messes up our lives. It turns them upside down and gives us a brand new life, Jesus described it as. A new normal, a new way for Christians to live. Why don't we live that way? Why is it that so often there is this agitation, this peacelessness about our lives? When it comes to the forgiveness that we have in Christ, instead we live with so much shame and guilt. When it comes to the fact that that heaven is ours and a future awaits us with Christ in eternity. Instead, we're, we're so obsessed with here and now. We're so, so focused and zeroed in on, well, trying to find life among that which perishes. We're looking for immortality among mortal things. We spend our days trying to keep our possessions, our money, our talents, our things to ourselves. Instead of using them for the service of God, instead of using them to point people to what they have, the possession, the inheritance that is theirs in heaven. Why is it that so often we fail to adjust to the new normal. The new normal of Easter, of Christ's victory that is yours. Well, look at how Jesus deals with doubting Thomases, peaceless Thomases. I'm not trying to change his nickname. But what does Jesus do to him? Does he come and grab them and shake them and be, come on, man, snap out of it. It's been 2,000 years. You should start, you know, figuring out this new normal. No. What Jesus does is he comes. He comes to you and to me, and he speaks peace. He says, peace be with you. He says, peace be be with you. And that's what I want to look at for the remainder of our time this morning is the peace of God that transcends our understanding and descends into every nook and cranny of our lives. I mean, what I want to do is look at two types of peace that we see here in John's gospel. The first is the peace of pardon, the peace that your sins are forgiven. And the second peace is the peace that comes from that, the peace of purpose, the peace of God that moves us to carry out that peace into our lives. Think about the very first thing that Jesus could have said to his disciples, but what he did say to them. Verse 21, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, 
their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. When Jesus first appeared to his disciples, the very first thing he gave them, the very first thing he spoke to them was his word of peace. You abandoned me on Thursday night and left me all alone. Peace be with you. I forgive you. You knew full well what the scriptures said about me, but you didn't believe it. Peace be with you. I forgive you. I told you myself that I was going to suffer and rise on the third day, but you didn't listen. Peace be with you. I forgive you. And then a full week later, when Thomas was there, Thomas, you didn't believe my word, you didn't believe the scriptures, and you didn't believe your friends who pointed you to my words and to scripture and to proof that I was alive. Peace be with you. I forgive you. That is what Jesus spoke to his disciples, and that's what he speaks to you and me. Peace. Peace be with you. Your sins are forgiven. I mean, think about it. That is the message of the entire Bible. Peace be with you. In the Garden of Eden, you had peace with God. Our mother and father, Adam and Eve, had peace with God because he, he created them in perfect holiness. But they ruined that. We ruined that because of our sin. And yet, what did Jesus do? He promised that, that someone would come to reestablish that peace between God and man. Throughout the Old Testament, he promises that someone will come. And who is that someone? He gave him a title, the Prince of Peace. And when that, one, that prince was born, what did the angel shout? Glory to God in the highest and peace on earth. And then on Good Friday and Easter, that peace was reestablished. Romans 5 tells us, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. The entire message of the Bible says the same thing over and over and over and over again, a thousand different ways. You have peace with God. There is no hostility between you. There is no guilt between you. There is no sin between you. In Christ Jesus, that has been removed. You have been justified. You're good with God. You are right with God. Peace be with you. I forgive you. And that peace gives purpose. That peace, knowing that peace gives purpose to your life and mine. Look how it did that for Thomas. He went from doubting Thomas to, we'll see, a determined Thomas. He went from a peaceless Thomas to a purposed man. Do you know how Thomas's story ends? When the 1500s, sailors from Europe thought they were going to trace a route over to India to bring spices back to Europe. And when they traveled there, they thought, you know what we're going to do is we're going we're gonna to carry Christianity there for the very first time because no one in all of Western Europe has, has ever been to India before. And so we are going to carry the gospel there. Good idea. Do you know what they found when they got there? Two and a half million 
Christians, and not just scattered about Christians, but they found the Christian church organized and established, and they found churches, beautiful churches that were over a thousand years old. You know how they got there? It was Indian tradition has it that there was a man. There's a man who showed up on their seashore, who traveled from Jerusalem, and who, with the help of a translator, shared the gospel, shared a message of peace. Your sins are forgiven. That person, that missionary, it was Thomas. Apparently, Thomas took Jesus very seriously when he said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Apparently, Thomas started to listen when Jesus went up to heaven and said to them, go, (laughs) go and make disciples of all nations by baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit and teach them, teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I will be with you always. Well, Thomas listened. Thomas listened to the point where now, years and years later, there are thousands and thousands of churches in India. And you want to know something? A lot of them are named St. Thomas. (laughs) That's what peace does. Peace repurposes our life. It gives purpose to our life. It gives us a whole new life, a new normal. Look, this is not a a sermon to try to get you to move to India or even to get you to radically change your life. It is a sermon that by the power of the Holy Spirit will move us to stop living in guilt and fear and shame for our sins, but to see Christ. Him standing next to you and forgiving you. It is a sermon that that by the power of the Holy Spirit will will get us to look at all the the common day-to-day things of our lives, our time, our talents, the possessions that we have, and think about how we can repurpose them in order to share the message of peace. You have heard this word. The Holy Spirit carry to you message of peace. Your sins are forgiven. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. I'm sending you to be missionaries. And that often idea comes with such like heavy churchy language that we think, nah, not me. I'm not a missionary. But what does that idea mean? It means that you have a mission to carry. You have a purpose to go out into your life. And that purpose is peace. It is given to you because of peace. And it is so that others know peace that they know the peace that you have, that you are right with God. There is nothing between him and you that you need to do or fix or get right, but it is a gift. It is finished. Christ Jesus has forgiven all of your sins. It is the message of peace that you have a home in heaven. You are a missionary to carry the message of sins forgiven to a world 
that wants to hear it, that needs to hear it. May God grant that life and that purpose to this church, to the people who make up this church. May God grant the peace that repurposes your life in Easter's new normal to you so that we finish by the Holy Spirit's power, so that we finish well, our stories like Thomas's. May God grant it for Jesus' sake. Amen.